Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And we are joined uh, today once again by a friend of the show. This is actually her sixth appearance on the Film Buds. A uh, friend of the show, Madeline Davis. Uh, she is a published writer. She's an editor and researcher, and she's a former athlete. Uh, if you haven't heard Matt on the show before. That's a little bit of her background. Matt, hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm great. Enjoying the, the text weather. Actually, it was like raining all day yesterday, and it's, but it was very nice out today. Um, and I'm just glad that some of the water maybe like washed out some of the pollen because I've been dying here. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is the, the one downside of spring, you know, the benefit it's getting warmer. The downside is it's hell for anyone with, with any kind of seasonal allergies for this time of year. Yeah. I think it's funny because like you guys are all pretty in sync with like the, the flowers and like now I'm the one who's like having like itchy eye and yeah. like congestion and, and crud. And I'm like, man, I'm like practically at the end of the season and it's like, all right, We've been waiting for it. Here it comes. Yeah, now we are. Now we're here at the tail end. Can't know. Um, so six appearances. Uh, I didn't realize that it had been that many until I, did I was not, putting you know, it when together. He, when he said that, I was like, fake news. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. so yeah. your first appearance was all the way back um, in October. Mm -hmm. It was uh, episode 191, Silent Horror. That was your first yeah. time on. Um, and then your last time on... Uh, your most recent time on was uh, last month uh, for Women in History. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's all of the appearances that you've had on the show. Um, you also, of course, wrote The Women on Screen, The Woman in the Mirror, which is available on the website, uh, which you did for uh, uh, filmbuds.com. Beyond your many appearances here, what all have you been up to? Um, so yeah, uh, I am right now. I picked up a gig. I'm doing some writing for Screen Rant, so I'm also going to get to write about uh, TV and movies and stuff over there. So I think that's going to be potentially. I mean, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be fun. Um, right now, I'm working on a piece about Miss Maisel, which. Um, Give me an excuse and an opportunity because I was behind and I hadn't watched the latest season yet. So um, got to do some of that. Um, so yeah, I'm pumped about that. So that's what I've been kind of up to. Um, prepping to go. Uh, some friends and I are going to go do like a little uh, weekend cabin trip coming up in uh, May. Prepping for that. So um, I think that's going to be, we're going to do some hiking and stuff and some rafting because it's uh, over by a river. I think it's going to be, no, I have literally nothing interesting going on. Um. <laughs> if you find a weird book at the cabin, don't read it. I mean, that's just I mean, So actually, okay. So this is a true story. So this is the second time we're going. It's um, my, my friend Kendall. So who, if, she, if she's listening, hello, Kendall. And yes, I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> so, like, her um, mom, like, her mother-in-law and father-in-law, they um, own a cabin out in Leakey, Leakey, Texas, and, um, like, they totally, they were like, yeah, if you want to, like, take your friends out there, go. So, we went out last year, 
And like Kendall had gotten to the cabin before us. And then my friend Bucky and I were driving out there. And like, by the time we got there, it was super dark, like pitch black. It was late because we had to wait until I was done with work and stuff. And so it was like super dark and we could not, we, like it's a bunch of these winding back roads, like everything's super confusing. There's like no light anywhere. We get, we get to this house and we're like, is this it? But like, as we drive closer, all these signs are like, we'll shoot on site. And we're like, uh, I don't think this is giving Kendall's mother and father-in-law energy, but maybe we're wrong. And we've like, <laughs> been listening, we've been like listening to the radio and all of a sudden it like, flickered out and like <laughs> this is sounds made up but it's not 666 like the numbers like a switch to, to radio station 666 and we were like oh my god this is cursed we're gonna get murdered and die and then i looked at <laughs> the window and i realized kendall was like on the back porch of like a house across the way from us and i was like oh you <laughs> just said back out and turn around <laughs> but for a second it was scary <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know at least at least you you are familiar with it now this time yeah. yes so hopefully there will be less like stranger danger warning welcome yeah, to you know. animal cabin possessed by demons in the woods so we'll shoot on site that's right yes i was like and this is texas i believe that i was like we're gonna get shot <laughs> i was like should we go knock on the door and she was like i don't know and i was like yeah I don't Never know. Either. Not. I don't want to get shot. Yeah, no. I don't want to get that. Um, no, yeah, that's uh, that all sounds great, actually. Um, we we've been thinking about going camping, but we haven't really officially decided on 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 committing to that. No, yes, your your camping trip sounds like a like a like a hoot. It sounds like a like a good time. <laughs> it really it was super fun. It was actually really really fun, and the cabin was really cute. And that being very very entertaining. It was a good time. You guys should. Good. You should. In in Leaky, Texas. I hope they Leaky. fix that leak. Yeah. <laughs> so big, it sprung a river. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm mean, hanging out with you, Dad. So, Madeline is, of course, joining us here today to talk about uh, all April long we've been doing movies around April holidays, and the last Friday of every April is Arbor Day. Yeah. Um, and so if you're listening to this uh, the day of, happy Arbor Day. Yes. Dear listener, go outside, touch a tree. Hug it. Hug that whole tree. Um, Tie yourself to it. Anarchy. <laughs> so Arbor Day is, um, it is an internationally recognized holiday. Um, uh, and it happens, like I said, the last, the last Friday of every April. Um, and for uh, Arbor Day, a lot of people go out and typically plant a tree or do tree care, tree maintenance, some sort of thing. Because the whole idea is, is about, um, forestation and reforestation and that sort of thing. Um, so how, how do y'all feel about Arbor Day? I love a fucking tree. <laughs> Can't say enough about it. Love it. Um, dear, how how about you? Arbor Day. Arbor Day was definitely um 
never a holiday that I thought thought about. Really? Like, I'm not even gonna lie. Because um, it was like, it's, it's Earth Day, you know? And yeah. like, then there was my birthday, which was the far superior, the most important holiday of, of, of April. And, and then there... And then there was Arbor Day that was on an arbitrary day, and it wasn't like one of those days where you could just be like, it's the 22nd of April, you know? Mm-hmm. So you could like, almost on- say it was arbitrary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Right. There you go. <laughs> no, I think uh, Earth Day definitely eclipsed, which was last Friday's episode, definitely eclipsed Arbor Day for our generation, I think, as the the big nature sort of celebratory holiday of April. One can almost say Arbor Day shaded and overshadowed. (laughs) Shaded. Uh It's the the very much like, we like uh, Everybody Matters kind of holiday. Instead of it's just being about the trees. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, you've got Earth Day and then you've got the appendage it feels like that is Arbor yeah. Day just yeah. about yeah. trees. So uh but Arbor Day actually existed long before Earth Day. It's something that Yeah. Yeah. It's something that like our parents' generation grew up with and generations before that. And so for a little bit of background on Arbor Day, it was begun by J. Sterling Morton who was born April 22nd, 1832. Bit of irony that he was born on Earth today. Um, I mean, it wasn't that then. No, not at the time, but later on. A hundred years later. Uh-huh. Yes. And um, he felt that too many holidays focused on the past and that there needed to be a holiday that was focused on the future. And he was a journalist and a politician who had relocated from New York to Nebraska in 1854. And he held the first Arbor Day. He felt that Nebraska had too few trees. And so forestation was a big goal of his. And he decided that uh, he would organize the first Arbor Day, April 10th, 1872 in Nebraska. Uh, it resulted in one million trees being planted. And yet Nebraska still feels very treeless and empty. <laughs> they were planted. No one said that they were cared That's for. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. It's a journey. Uh, and then after that, it was celebrated for a long time on April 22nd for Morton's birthday in several states as it started to expand. Eventually, it got relocated to the last Friday of April, which is best tree planting weather for temperate regions. However, some parts of both the U.S. and the world hold Arbor Day on a different day, depending on their climate and their weather. So, for example, Florida holds Arbor Day the third Friday of January. Uh, and then All right. okay. some countries have a holiday that is essentially exactly like Arbor Day. Yeah. But it's it's by a different name. I was going to say, I feel like the other reason Earth Day is such a big thing is like Earth Day is like much more international, whereas Arbor Day, there might be various types of Arbor Days internationally, but it's not like everyone celebrates it. Yeah. Time. And it also had activism baked into it. Oh, yeah. 
as a as a as a result of how it came to be. Whereas Arbor Day, plant a tree, celebration over. You know, it's just sort of. It doesn't have a mascot like Easter. Yeah. You know. Um. So with Jesus, with Arbor Day in mind, we decided that we would go and review some movies that that involved trees. And when you search movie trees, your list is a little bit thin in terms of how you can really do movies that focus on trees. Mm-hmm. There aren't even really a lot of good documentaries that are that are like real trees. Tree specific? Yeah. And so what we ended up doing was we said, well, what what are some some movies that are, you know, important? around you centered around trees in some sort of capacity you know and we ended up deciding that we would do a take on a similar story uh fern gully and avatar and they're both as i was watching fern gully i was like holy shit avatar definitely just like ripped off this story (laughs) (laughs) and i'll take this and i'll take that but like without having tim curry a number so obviously avatar is the lesser of the two here <laughs> no, that's fair. it does have it does have giovanni Rabisi giving a really fantastically handy that's true. performance that's true uh but fern gully is a 1992 fox distributed film it's part of the the sort of anime boom of the of the early 90s that happened um way back then and it's all about trees being cut down and deforestation, which is largely, of course, also what's happening in Avatar. And Avatar has the soul tree. And so that was good enough for an Arbor Day for us. And uh, I mean, like the other options were like the, the trees in Lord of the Rings, um, the tree in Pocahontas. Yeah. You know, so I think the that tree, we really nailed it. We, we could have done the, the tree in The Conjuring. That's right. That's fair. That's right. Here we go. Uh, Evil Dead's tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we actually this this actually works as a little bit of a of a primer. I was going to ask, what are some of your favorite pop culture trees? Not just movies and TV shows, but pop culture at large. What are some of your favorite pop culture trees? The tree that the Keebler elves live in. That's a good one. That's a solid... That's really good. I don't know why I was, like, naming all these tree things, and then my brain instantly went to the Jolly Green Giant, and I was like, nope, not a tree. Pass. Um, maybe maybe that, that the, the Giving Tree, the book. Oh, um, that's fair. I used to read that a lot as a kid. Was yeah, it? that's true. Mental. There's, like, the, lock. the Weeping Willow from Pocahontas also yeah. feels pretty classic. Mother Willow, I think, is her yeah, name. Yeah, Mother Willow. There's the, I think it's a willow tree in Into the Woods that's... Oh, yeah, also, Cinderella's, her, where her mother's yeah. been buried, yeah. Uh, I came up with a list of my top five trees from pop culture. I love it. Uh, one, tree beard. Yes. Of course, yeah. the end. Yeah. Two, the great Deku tree from The Legend oh, of Zelda games. okay. <laughs> yeah, giant sentient tree. Yggdrasil, the world tree from Norse mythology. All right, that's really, a good one. You were really on the internet for that one. <laughs> yes. Could you, you do like just straight up like tree of life? Like that's like a. I mean, yeah, multiple. That's a, 
tree of tree of life that the tree that the apple was on adam and eve that's a good one sorry uh, Disney. yeah uh groot number four. Oh, that's a good one that's so obvious i can't believe i didn't think of that and then uh, five, the Evil Dead trees. Yeah, the yeah. Evil Dead trees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw some other ones that I saw on lists included the To Kill a Mockingbird tree. Okay. Uh, I also Ooh. saw. What about the tree from The Lion King that uh, Rafiki or whatever lives in? I saw that one. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I wanted s- to live there. Yeah, it looked cool. Looks dope. Yeah. Big. Oh. Uh, here's a great example, one that I didn't see on any list. Uh, the code name. Kid Next Door Treehouse Tree. Oh! Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a good that's one. A good one. You. Mm. Look at you using your brain. Amazing. <laughs> um, and then similarly off of that, I did want to also ask, what are, since Arbor Day is also a little bit about environmental awareness, to a lesser degree than Earth Day is, what are some of your favorite environmentalism movies or characters? Wally. Captain the Planet. Well, yes. Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. Loved that show as a kid. Was obsessed with Captain Planet. Wally, fucking fantastic. Great film. Love the character of Wally. Um, if we're going dark, Planetina <laughs> from Rick and Morty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, who? That's a good one. The hell? She goes kind of evil at the end there. Oh yeah, she starts going like she murderous. She breaks bad, but that's all right. She goes a little intense at the end, but still great. Um, another one I was thinking about. Well, actually, I also thought teenage, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but <laughs> they were trying to get Because they're a pollution story. Yeah, it's definitely a pollution story. Um, Aaron Brockovich, though, like I guess it would be like a more serious one. Um, and then, yeah. of course, there's, like, some documentaries and stuff, like, Blackfish, I think was a big one. Like, all the Our Planet stuff. Mm. Um, I'm gonna, ooh, another one I thought about, I'm gonna say, kind of, it's more, like, animal and conservation-y, but, like, the Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King. Because he, he, it's, like, a lot of, like, animal conservation, and, like, conservationists are, like, very upset about all the laws in the United States that, like, allow people to keep exotic pets. And yeah. Shit like that. So. No, that's fair. Boom. A bit of a stretch with that last one, but I'm going to say it counts. <laughs> um, dear, do you have anything before I go and give give my examples? Well, I gave I gave my one. It was just Captain kind of... Planet, yeah. 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 Captain, Captain Planet. Yeah. Captain Planet. Captain Planet, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, yeah, some definitely documentaries. We watch a lot of, like, animal shows and things like that. Um avatar the last airbender okay not yeah. the, not the movie that we're about to talk about <laughs> okay 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 um you know because they're like elements and things like that you know and there's there's some of that you know imperialization you know modernization kind of mm-hmm. stuff cold going steel on. Yeah. good air you know no i get that simple yeah, yeah. themes right. i think that's fair would you like to hear what i've got sure okay. no i know you have no five. i don't Absolutely Number not. one, the Lorax. Yeah, oh, I thought about that too. Yeah, the Lorax is great. Number two, Michael Clayton. Who's Michael Clayton? It's a, it's a movie yeah, yeah. with George Clooney where he plays a sort of fix-it attorney yeah, who gets brought in on this case where the lead attorney sort of gone off the rails. 
and it's a case where there's a, a company that's been poisoning the water supply. They're <laughs> poisoning uh, the water hole of a of a town, and and it's been giving people cancer. Oh, and so is that the one where what's his face is like I'm Shiva? Yeah, Michael. Clayton. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, am I thinking of the right movie? Yeah, great movie. Uh, number three, Wally. Yeah. Number four, Koyana Stotsky. Bless you. It's a really interesting, uh, sort of montage-centric documentary that doesn't have a lick of spoken word in it. That's just nothing but visuals of like the processes of the earth and images of of metropolises, you know, in in modern America at the time. Okay. And fascinating. Can you say it one more time? Koyana Stotsky. How do you spell that? For people who want to Google this right now. (laughs) K-O-Y-A-A-N-I-S-Q-A-T-S-I. Yeah, see, I would never have guessed that, so. No. No, no, it's got a lot of surprise letters in there. Yeah. My my last pick for great environmentalist movies is M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Okay. No! (laughs) That's... Great. I mean, it technically, the, yeah, I guess the, it's a plant revenge tale. It's it's great in its own way. The scariest, part in that, the scariest part in that movie for me is that old lady. <laughs> yeah. You don't try to touch my things like that. The scariest parts are the old lady and the very opening bit oh, where the woman like, is talking like, about what she's seeing, but we don't get to see it at all. Yeah. That's, that's also true. one of the scariest parts of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The happening. Good God. Um, but those are those are some of the ideas, you know, and, and some great examples of movies that tackle these kinds of issues. It's kind of hard, you know, it's you go and you look up like environmentalism movies and it's a pretty pretty broad, you know, range of stuff that you get when you type up environmentalism characters, a lot of what you get have been the sort of like eco terrorist villains that we've had recently with people like Thanos and that sort of thing, or even the mom in Godzilla, King of Monsters. Uh, and so remember her whole thing is like environmentalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. But like, I'm pretty sure her like whole thing is like being like a biologist. Like that's so vague. Yeah. And so those, those are some of the movies that sort of come to mind with these sorts of topics. And we're actually, we're splitting up our review in half, and so this first movie that we're going to be reviewing is Fern Gully with Matt, then we're going to be doing Avatar with Nick. Yes. Uh, and so without any further ado, I guess we should go ahead and jump on into our review of Fern Gully. Are you yeah. ready? Start on top with a better guest in the better movie. It's a good call. No. That's <laughs> a call. Uh, start out with the OG stuff, you know. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, so for a little bit of, of background before we discuss... Fern Gully. Uh, I wanted to briefly talk about its background because the the movie there isn't a lot of information that you can get about where it comes from, how it was made, that sort of thing. You know, this is before there were a lot of behind the scenes special features and stuff on home release. Yeah, and... people just made movies. Yeah, yeah. And so everything that you get now is just sort of like word of mouth, oral history stuff, and photographs and the history of the people themselves. So it actually began as Fern Gully is based on a series of 
what started as bedtime stories for the children of Diana Young, who was a PhD uh, in, I believe, English. Okay. Um, and she would tell them to her, her children, and she was married to Wayne Young, who was a, wanting to be a producer in, in, in film and television and stuff like that. And he ended up producing Crocodile Dundee. Love it. Yeah. And so she would tell these stories to their, to their children. But, and, and they had the idea that it would make a good animated movie, but animation was in a slump in the 70s and 80s. And had this real big peak in the 50s, moving into the 60s, and then it just totally yeah. lumped off in the 70s and 80s. And then we had the, the Disney revival. 90s, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it ended up sitting on the shelf because they couldn't really get anyone interested. They put out some feelers and nothing really happened. And essentially everyone was, was telling them that no one's going to touch a, a children's message movie that's animated. Okay. And just so, you wait. About he it's wanted like a whole to, genre now. No, right. literally. And so Wayne Young really wanted to still get it made. And then finally Little Mermaid came out and it really blew the doors box office wise, you know, off of animation. And it restarted that whole movement. And so then people were more willing to give money to these kinds of films, uh, you know, try and pick some up for distribution, things like that. And a Disney animator by the name of Bill Croyer started up a production company called Croyer Films, and he ended up picking up the story. And he knew from his days at Disney a guy named Jim Cox, who wrote one of the drafts of Oliver and Company and several other wow. Disney films. Sir, love that movie. And they decided that they would get together and that they would adapt this story, Fern Gully. And along the way, Jim Cox also went and snaked a few young animators from Disney. Uh, he helped get them in contact with Robin Williams for the part of Batty. And um, it ended up making Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the head of, of Disney Animation at the time, so pissed off that he, he put like a little bit of a vendetta against them in the production. Hmm. And he ended up like going and renting out two rental spaces that they wanted. He tried to get Robin Williams to back out of doing the movie. Um, and he also, when they finally did get a place to set up in an old brewery, he tried to buy the whole building. Oh my God. <laughs> the next level petty shit. That's yeah. right. Committed. Um, yeah. And so they finally got the whole movie set up. The baddie part, the Robin Williams part, was supposed to only be about eight minutes of screen time. Incorrect. Ah, <laughs> you don't hire Robin Williams and then only give that man eight minutes of screen time. No. No, no he, he elbowed his way into more. I mean, yeah. come on, he's in the whole movie pretty much. He gave them 14 hours of material. That's right. That's fucking and right. And from that 14 hours, they were like, well, we have to increase the part yeah <laughs> so it's just robin williams improvising in a studio and then being like all right now how do we animate the hell out of this yeah. that's correct amazing that sounds like a robin williams making yes. any any animated thing ever just let them go that's right uh it was designed to be a message movie for children uh it was always intended to be that way um they use some sort of 
quick animation edits where they use computer generated imagery to like duplicate certain yeah, images yeah. to sort of make some shortcuts. Um, and it cost about $24 million to make. Again, it's, it's kind of hard to get information on this movie. There isn't really a lot um, available. Um, on top of them, of course, wanting it to be a message movie, they said that they worked very hard to make sure that it didn't seem overly preachy. Um, it ended up getting picked up by Fox Studios, who distributed the film, and it grossed $32 million globally. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it released April 10th, 1992, so it turned 30 this year. Wow. Yeah, right? Dang. Uh, it's got a runtime of an hour, 16 minutes. It was directed by Bill Croyer, written by Jim Cox. The cast includes Tommy Chong, Tim yeah. Curry, Tom <laughs> Loke, Cheech Marin, Samantha Mathis, Christian Slater, Jonathan Ward, Robin Williams, and Grace Zabriskie. And the premise is the magical inhabitants of a rainforest fight to save their home, which is threatened by logging and a polluting force of destruction called Hexus. Um, Jeez, us, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, uh, I did also just want to mention one last thing. Uh, Young, the producer, said that early discussions always were about making sure that the animation of the film highlighted the real life magic of the rainforest and didn't try to exaggerate it and make it some sort of playland fantasy world. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so with that in mind, Mad, since you are our guest here, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you think of Fern Gully? What is some of your experience with Fern Gully? Was this your first time or, or had you seen this film before? Man, I don't know what, first of all, and this is why, why was I acting surprised when you were like, this is the 30th anniversary of this? Like, I know how old I am. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I probably watched this movie like a million times as a small child. I was obsessed with fairies, obsessed with them. Um, I love this fucking movie. I, my poor mother has probably had to endure so many rewatches of this film. Um, to this day, she can still like quote lines from it. So, um, yeah, no, I was obsessed with this movie. It was probably one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, it, it is one of those films too, that like for me was, um, so like 92, I was four when it first came out. Um, cause that was the year you were born, PJ. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if we saw it in theaters or not. Mom would have depend. I think when it came out, she was still pregnant with you, but, um, definitely like when it was out on like VHS, I, like we had the VHS, I watched it a ton. Um, and it was like one of the first things that like ever introduced me to like, larger ideas like deforestation um testing on animals because like that's the whole shtick for like the character fatty is he's like in this bat that has escaped some sort of like testing lab where they're like testing cosmetics and chemicals and things on animals um 
a thing I had never known about, acid rain, like all kinds of stuff. And it did like in a lot of ways make me like super conscious of a lot of these topics, but in like a way that was like very accessible um, and like enjoyable and still like fun and engaging to watch in a film and not just like horrifying. <laughs> um, but no, so yeah, like I loved this film growing up. Um, so definitely this was not my first time viewing it. <laughs> Um, and no, I, I loved it. I, uh, as I was watching it, and I know I mentioned this to you earlier briefly, PJ, but, um, I had no idea it ever took place in Australia until I watched it again just now. Um, like as a kid that like never, which I, I, now that I think about it too, one, like the whole reason I realized it is because of the driver's license, which I guess as a child, I was like, who cares about a driver's license? But there's like the scene where you see that kid's driver's license. And I was shocked because one, I was like, this is Australia. And two, I was like, he's only 16. (laughs) 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 How old that little shit was. Um, So that was like uh, shocking for me. Um, But yeah, so I like, there were some things about the film. It was funny rewatching it where I like had never really noticed certain things or or paid attention. So there was like that. But also then there was like a kangaroo later on. And I was like, well, that should have been a giveaway. (laughs) 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 I mean, when you put maybe it like that. put two and two together, but I didn't. Um, so I <laughs> that for the first well, time. Well, it's okay. There are um, kangaroos in Winnie the Pooh, so kangaroos can be true. anywhere in a child's mind. That's true. You know, you're, that's true. That's true. He does, like, kangaroos show up in, like, what is definitely, like, a, some sort of, you know, British wood somewhere. So fair point. Um, yeah, no, I totally did not put that together, though. Um, I do think, as I was watching it, I think it is really, like, beautifully animated. Um, that is one thing as I was watching it. They do such a great job of, like, making everything feel very, like, lush and vibrant. But, yeah, it's not, like, over the top or, like, fake. Like, it felt very real and, um, like, very, again, vibrant and beautiful. But, like, yeah, it didn't feel like they tried to make it some sort of, like, fairy forest or, like, magical forest. The thing that was magical about it was just, like, the reality of like the earth and the forest itself, which I think is obviously the whole, the whole point um, is that like the earth around you is magical and to like observe and maintain that beauty. No, absolutely. Um, Dear, what are, what are, what's your familiarity with Fern Gully and what are, what are some of your thoughts on it? So I have the exact opposite experience. I had, I'd never seen this movie until like what last year yeah, a when few we, months ago. When we, when we watched it in, in Greensboro with okay. some friends. And, literally, yeah, I had never heard of this movie before. It was not on my radar. I was I was sipping on the Disney real hard back in the day. Yeah. And I had every Disney princess of the early 90s. And, this, and, and one Anastasia yes, thrown everyone. in the mix, That's you right. know. Um, but no, yeah, I had never, I had never heard of this movie before, and so watching it as an adult was a completely different experience. Um, hearing these these voices that I, I recognized, yeah, and, but like characters that I'd never seen before, and um, love love Robin Williams in it. I think that it's great, especially considering this came before Aladdin yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah, they came out in the same year, and that was part of the reason that Katzenberg was was so pissed as well. Mm, Because, like, I do, like, 
I'm sure that Aladdin got way more um, of oh, the, yeah. the, the, the media buzz than, than this did. And which is such a bummer because like, I feel like as a kid, like I would have totally vibed with this, with this movie a lot. And I also just this watch, um, this is my second time watching this movie. Um, noticed the like bird creatures for the mm -hmm. first time. And like, we had seen them at the zoo. Yeah. Before yeah, and that was yeah. the first time that I ever like put two and two together was like, hold on, this is a real thing. This isn't just yes. like some some made up creature yeah. in this like fantasy world. This is a real animal, mm -hmm. which is so cool. Evolution is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I really just, um, there's a lot of like familiar themes and interesting topics in this movie. I love the way that um, Hexus is like very, um, Kind of reminds me of, of how in Hercules at the end where they have all of the titans come out, although mm. the one that's like the lava. Mm -hmm. Yes, very like awesome. elemental kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love also that they are like, don't even worry about the deets on, on what Hexus is. Yeah, I because it's it's like he, he starts off as this kind of like blob and then all of a sudden also has like a skeleton and then at the end, it's kind of like, again, a weird, but it's like, then he's like kind of smoke, but then again, he's like blob on top of skeleton. It, there's a lot, ha it doesn't matter. You know what? It doesn't matter. The point is he's gross and scary <laughs> and Tim Curry camps the shit out of it. And it's great. And I absolutely love his, like his backstory. They were like, he was here and he was bad. And so we banished him to that tree over there. And like, they're, yeah, that's then, it. Fuck him. We're done and here. Then, they really tied a bow on that. And then they thought the humans were extinct. The end. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, they were just living their happy little fairy lives yep. in the middle of an Australian forest. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. Don't you want to go yeah. there? You know, I guess depending on, I don't know how long fairy life cycles are, but, you know, I guess theoretically, depending on how old or how, how long a life cycle is for a fairy, theoretically old old lady fairy could have only been like a year or so maybe a few years old and they're like oh the humans are long gone but really it's just been like yeah you know, 10 years since the last humans were actually but it's around. generations for them exactly yeah. i mean who knows so you can just a thought that that crossed my mind because i was like where did the human like why did they suddenly lose contact with them and it could have been that, like, you know, Hexus was there the last time, again, with some sort of deforestation kind of thing. Interesting. I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way. I was assuming the opposite. I, that were, like, yeah, very I was old. thinking of, like, yeah, like, back, like, predating modernity. I was just, I was just coming up with a question for, I mean, or an answer for a question. We don't no, know no, no, I about that. this world. We don't know nothing about it. I have no clue. But I was thinking it was, yeah, more of, like, a previous civilization of humanoid or humans of, like, an earlier generation, and then those moved out and, like, settled yeah. in cities and such, and so, like, the forest had been left alone for quite some time. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, either works. Yours, I think, made me sadder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get what you mean. Um, so I had... I had seen this movie, of course, obviously, like Mad said, growing up, I saw this movie, but I saw it much younger than Mad. You know, she she's four years older than me. 
So like the last time that I had seen it for a long time, I don't know, I was probably like eight, you know, yeah. or, or maybe a little bit older than that, but like it had, it had definitely been a while. And then I saw it again a few years ago, but still hadn't, and that time that I saw it, I, it was sort of like at a party situation. So it wasn't necessarily like people were really ultra focused on anything that was happening on the TV. And mm -hmm. so then the last time that I saw it was, was like you said, with Jeff and Leah more recently. And I was really surprised with how well the, the movie had actually held up. I remembered still, my memory of the movie was like, Robin Williams is, is great, but I don't really remember the rest of the movie in mm -hmm. any particular direction. Um, and so like rewatching it, now recently you know two times within the last half-ish year um no i really think it's a very charming kids movie i think it does to your point ad address issues that a lot of people probably don't know where to begin with like talking about them with their kids yeah in just a very honest simple straightforward way you know it's just sort of it's it's part of the story you yeah, know, it doesn't really sort of talk down to them or pander to them in any sort of way. Um, and I, I think that that's a really, really effective element of the story. Uh, you know, the two people that run away with the whole movie are definitely Robin Williams and Tim Curry. I mean, 100%. that's just kind of... A hundred percent, yes. Um, but I mean, you hired probably two of the of the biggest personalities that you could yeah. possibly hire in any sort of direction. And then just a bunch of normies for no, the rest literally. of the cast. Yeah, so. everybody else is just like, so just like laid back, hanging out, yeah. super boy dude. He's just yeah. hanging there, man. He had a job. Yeah. 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 Jonathan Ward. Oh my gosh. He looks what? like somebody from the nineties. He does. I was going to say, so I like made note of this. There's this line where he's teaching or slaying or whatever. And he's like, you're one bodacious babe. And I was like, that's so fucking nice. I love it. Yeah. One mm -hmm. bodacious babe. It instantly makes me think of every time, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Because like nothing ever talked really like that. Tubular. Yeah. No, literally. Yeah. <laughs> right love it rocket power had that effect as well yeah uh, yeah rocket power definitely had the same sort of uh like calif but i mean the whole thing of like rocket power was there like this kind of like skate park surf like california family yeah. and yeah uh, by the way it's not that i think even necessarily that the other performers are necessarily doing a bad job I think it's just that one, their characters they're are just, written to be the straight characters. Yeah, they're just playing the yeah. normal people. You know, they don't get to do anything all that exaggerated and interesting. And and I think the other issue is also that that again, like you, you just don't have a lot of of wiggle room of what you could do with Krista to make Krista stand say, out. No, so like the whole point of she's like this sort of like, you know, she's young, she's like not even fully kind of coming into her power yet. Like the whole thing at the beginning of the movie is she can't even use her powers to help the seed grow. And she's like trying to kind of step into the place of like her mother and, you know, like become sort of the next leader. Um, and at this point at the beginning, you know, she's not quite there yet. And she's just this sort of young, wide-eyed, very like inexperienced character 
you know, so much so that she, like, meets this human, Zach, and that motherfucker lies to her every five seconds, and she has, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she totally. advantage of her naivete all of the time. And, of course, part of it is, like, the growing up moment of, like, realizing those lies and some of the hardship, and then, like, stepping into this leadership role and growing as a person, and, like, all of that's great, but it's not the fucking glory of Robin Williams as, like, uh, you know, over-the-top bat, and Tim Curry is a giant evil smoke monster. Like, you can't compare with that. That's also, that also wants to fuck. It's a Yo, sexy yes. smoke monster. Yes. That's like, right, that's right. love song. Woo! And he does, like, a, it's almost like a flash dance, like, uh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like, a it's incredible. Um, that number is amazing. And yes, it is. It's like incredibly, incredibly like, it felt like something like a, someone would do like a showgirl number too. Do you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. so, yeah. Uh, it was so, I loved it. Incredible. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So I was really thinking about it. And um, the only characters that have a song that they personally sing are are Robin Williams and Tim Curry. Yeah. That's it. Everybody else yeah. doesn't nobody else gets a musical number. No, it lives in that you know the a lot of the Disney Renaissance musicals and a lot of Disney princess musicals and stuff even today are very much pseudo musicals. Yes. There are some songs but also the music is going to kind of stop uh, at about the the two thirds point. No, 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 and I totally get that. I just but think no, you're right. It is definitely, and I think that that's what's leading into their characters being far more memorable. I um, agree. as well yeah. because they get this whole showstopper moment where your I attention agree. is just on them, yeah. and like. I don't remember. You know, I would. I think I would very distinctly remember like Krista singing a song. Yeah. No, yeah. and that actually does bring up a point that I wanted to bring up. I was thinking about it. They apparently expanded the Robin Williams role. The movie is an hour sixteen minutes long. It's, it's yeah, it's short. It's fast. Was uh, was the original runtime just an hour? Like, <laughs> you know, it's were it's they a, really making this for like a TV audience? Like, we're gonna put commercials in this thing yeah, and then. We with it, it's going to be, like, an hour and a half long, you know? Yeah, I'd be really curious to know some of what happened with this thing, because honestly, I would say this movie could have easily been a 90, a standard 90-minute yeah. thing. Well, and the thing is, like, technically the runtime is that long, but, like, there's, like, a solid, like, 10 minutes of that that's even, like, end credits, too. Like, I was, like, yeah. like you know what I mean? Like, the actual, like, it... It zips by really fast. Um, Which I'm surprised then, like, more parents of the generation weren't like, I gotta buy this really short kids movie. We can just zip right through this this pain for me. <laughs> I just think, like, I don't know. I don't think it was, like, as... It just wasn't as popular. And, like, I had read online that when I was looking into a little bit of the background on it, too, that, um, like, originally it was actually going to come out in 91, but they were afraid how it was going to perform up against Beauty and the Beast, I think, is what came out in 91. And so that's why it even, like, got pushed back to 92. Um, it came out before Aladdin because they were, like, worried about competing against Disney. Um, and, like, Disney was just such a 
such a powerhouse at the time. Like Disney animated movies were cash money. That was bank. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And I, I feel like it just didn't there at that time too. I mean, you mentioned Anastasia, but like there are so few animated films at that time that weren't Disney movies that I feel like really became a part of like the zeitgeist. And that's not to say that like those movies didn't exist. Cause I think they do. And I think you have like these little movies like Bungoli, which are these kind of smaller little gems that like some people stumble upon, like we stumbled upon it. Um, again, probably a hundred percent because I'm a, I was obsessed with fairies as a child. <laughs> but um, like, if you weren't, how would you end up kind of like knowing about that? Cause yeah, it's just, no one could compete with Disney at that time. No, your yeah. next biggest name in the game was probably Don Bluth at that time. Yeah. With, you know, the Fievel films and. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Fievel were great. Yeah. But Don Bluth again is, is a real big second step down from the powerhouse that was the, the Disney renaissance of the, the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah. So it was, it was Disney and who really for, for a long yeah, time. Yeah. For a really long time. Disney was on the lifeboat. Everyone else was in the water after the, after the Titanic sank. And that's also why yeah. they were so desperate to get Pixar back is because yeah. when Pixar sh- shaved off in the 90s and turned out to be so, so big. big it was the only person that did really challenge the crown yeah was was sure. an opportunity that they squandered yep they fucked that up yeah that's <laughs> right they um, did but yeah uh, i agree going back to sort of your original point i feel like i do think that this movie while it does have like th- three musical numbers doesn't feel in the same vein of like disney animated musical yeah um and honestly i i think that some of the some of the shortness is a little bit of a detriment to it because they do have like a really it's a really great cast with a really interesting world to explore and sometimes it does feel like we get really great moments that we then kind of race between well that's kind of how i feel about like hexus's backstory like where did he come from you know you could have had this whole like five minute break it down to me as a child you know or a moment of like some backstory what what is what is he you know is he is he magic you know what, what are yeah. the rules of this world yeah you don't really get anything of that i think i would have liked a little bit more of like magi like her character mm-hmm. um and maybe even like because like the only interaction you see between her and krista is like the very beginning mm-hmm. where krista and her are talking and then krista like see smoke and then comes back and like that's it and then uh towards the very end where she comes back and she lets her know that like she found human and she's like but things are about to go to shit and then things go to shit and then and then magic dissolves into magics for reasons for absolute yeah i didn't understand that either i was like why did she use up too much magic to put but her name the- is Maggie. Yeah, I was like, I What's don't. What's her name? <laughs> why she? She was like, I'm gonna make us the seed glow and then yeet on out of here. Yep. Bye. And, and I was like, why? Because the, she, she had to disappear like the, the like the Jedi. Just that is, that's exactly when she did that. She like turned all blue and then like blue. And I was like, oh my god, Star Wars. <laughs> 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 oh my god. 
Um, so yeah, I do think that there are some moments where, yeah, they like rushed it a little and like a little bit more macaron magic. Also like that one character's introduces her dad and he's like the most useless. <laughs> what the fuck character? Like they hardly interact. Um, he's more of a bumbling idiot he, than the dad in Aladdin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's the exact oh, same type. And exact same type, same, same type. like build and everything. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, you're totally right. Um, so yeah, like I would have liked a little bit more. There's like they name each other as family and there's virtually no family dynamic whatsoever. And so I, you know, again, like as, as a kid, I didn't give a fuck, but like as an adult, I was like, it would have been nice to have seen like a little bit more interaction there uh, and a little bit more of like that very community and like how it functions. And, um, you know, and again, like I know Cheech and Chong are there. As we had Cheech, little... Chong and Tone Loke. Yes. And so like, I know te- like, that like they hardly ever get any strength. Like Tone Loke does have like a great song. I'll say that. But like, Ch- Cheech and Chong is not, like, they're not little fucking, they look like a leather daddy biker gang. Like, that's, <laughs> they're a little. And also, they have some of the worst, like, ADR. The yeah, mouths are, are so, so bad. Yeah. And, like, underutilized. Just, like, horribly underutilized. I was, like, the cast in this, a lot of them are, like, so good. And, like, some of those people only have, like, little, like, one-offs. And I was, like. Why? You're totally, like, use them more. You have Cheech and Chong. Fucking use them. My general guess, if I did have to put a finger on it, would probably be that it was budgetary stuff. Because if I'm not mistaken, I saw somewhere, and this is, this probably isn't all that, you know, well documented, so with a grain of salt. I saw somewhere that most of the cast, if not all of the cast, ended up getting paid scale. Okay. So I'm wondering if there were just like some real budgetary problems. Maybe. With the movie. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I, I think it would have been great. Yeah. Because, you know, again, going back to like, usually if we're talking kind of like animated movie musical, it's like the main character has like their own song too. And like, she didn't have, like, I feel like there could have been moments where they like, enriched the story and like had other characters have kind of like one-off moments or songs or something um and i feel like yeah those were kind of like missed opportunities again maybe it was just budgetary stuff um obviously you know this was like a new studio and like a whole bunch of like fresh faced babies so like it makes sense that maybe they didn't have like until fox even with fox picking it up like throughout production didn't have the same sort of like budget and access to things um, which is like a, cause I think it really is like a cute story. Like I said, and also again, hundred percent Avatar rips it the fuck off and does a less good job. That's right. Um, I love the, the whole message that like Maggie leaves us out on before she dippity skips about <laughs> her being like, um, the, that she can, she could heal it if it was something that happened like within the forest, but like, because of the fact that it's like, man has done this, like, she couldn't, there was nothing she could do at that point. It was, yeah. it was really interesting if, like, you know, nature will find its its own path, like, we don't need to, to assist it in any way. Well, yeah, yeah. and, like, or my, the other thing, too, I thought was interesting is, like, so, you know, these fairies have all this magic and this power, but, like, yeah, the, the problem isn't them and their power, the problem is, like, these humans, and, like, I think it's really interesting that at the end, she's like, do you want to stay here? And the character's act is like, no, I need to, like, go. And he, like, realizes it's 
it's humans responsibility to go out and like mend this thing that they've broken. And like, you're right. She like can't go out and do like magic outside of the confines of the forest. The only time she can do it, she gives him that seed and he leaves and he plants it outside of the forest. And then she has access to that and that plant grows. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like this, this idea of like, again, at the end, it's not like don't rely on the magical fairies for it. Like you have to go. It's like up to us. It's like up to humans to go out and repair the, the damage that we've done. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I guess on that note, do we want to go ahead and, and rate this bad boy? Yeah, I feel like we should. Okay. Uh, so, Mad, out of out of five, what would you give Fern Gully? Ten. A ten out of five. <laughs> a ten out of five. Um, no, I mean, do I think that they're... I mean, obviously, this is, this is a huge nostalgia film for me. This is, like, such a film that meant so much to me as a kid. So I don't think I can give, like, a fully unbiased opinion of it. That's totally fine. Um, Go for it. But yeah, you know, like, I, I loved it. Again, I think it shares a lot of stuff that, like, information and messages and makes them very accessible for children. I think the animation is beautiful. I think that the Tim Curry um, is incredibly memorable. Robin Williams, incredibly memorable. Like, a lot of the performances and musical numbers that are in there are fantastic. Um, there's really great 90s music throughout that's right love it like the score is very 90s and i'm very about it um no i i think it's i think it's great i think it's like such a little gem of a film i i like it i love it no notes no that's totally fine um dear what about you what do i give this what do i give this movie after after the after that <laughs> Any anything less than than adequate is is unacceptable at this moment. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give Fern Gully. I'm gonna give Fern Gully a four and a half. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit of a knockdown, just some technical stuff, you know. Yeah. It's it's, it's not even the length of a of a, a normal movie. <laughs> what's happening here um but with all that in mind i think that the the movie itself is really beautiful i love the the message of it and i think that it is i it was unexpected when i i still remember that day that that you guys were just shocked that i had never seen this movie before and then we instantly had to put it on because it was it was so important that they needed to show it to me right that moment um <laughs> Which is a very rare thing that has yeah. ever happened in my life. But, um, so I think that it's something that, that I would definitely, you know, share and, and keep as, a, as, as something to like go back to within my, my life and my, my viewing, my viewage. No, I think that's fair. <laughs> Your <I'll> viewage. Go... <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm gonna go four. Okay. Um, you know, it does it does have, like we said, those problems, but it also, it is a really very nice movie. It's a very pleasant movie. It's an easy movie. You know, and he, 
I think that it does manage to also have its its moral lesson without being too saccharine or too sappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have a few, you know, hiccups here and there. But honestly, for the most part, it's a really it's a really solid, really enjoyable little little children's film. Like there's really not much wrong with it for the most part. And it's got a it's got a kick ass rap in it, you know. Yeah. Robin Williams does a rap. If you want to, if you want to hear the rap style that influenced Lin Manuel Miranda, that's correct. Come and watch this movie, right? Fern Gully. Fern Gully. We got the the inner scoop on that. That's right. Yeah, incredible. Um, so before we move on to our next film, Avatar, uh, Mad, do you want to? say any last sort of messages to the to the listeners do you want to let them know where they can find you and and your various works um i mean i guess if they want to find me you can stalk me in texas so that's i'm not going to say where but i'll give you a little hint gives away the game (laughs) there you go Um, yeah no i mean like obviously um Twitter, Instagram, I poke around in both of those places. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm going to have some stuff coming out on Screen Rant. And um, I'll, you know, I guess if you want to hear my great opinions, pop on over there. Um, and aside from that, yeah, you know, just um, absolutely nothing else. I have a lot of other opinions, but I keep them in my diary at the end. <laughs> <laughs> More people should be like you on that regard. <laughs> well, that's probably true. <laughs> um, no, I'll I'll link all of your socials down below. I've got them in in yeah, yeah. some documentation already, so I'll link all of those down below. Um, also, of course, you can check out any of of Mad's previous appearances on the show. Um, it's episodes one ninety one, one ninety two, one ninety six, two hundred three, and two twelve. Um, and so if you want to go and, and check out Mad's previous appearances on the show, also be sure to do that. She's a, a great friend of the show and, uh, she's always, always a good, good guest to have on. So we always like having her back. Um, thank you so much for coming on once again, by the way, I know it was a little bit last minute more so than, than previous times, but thank you for coming on. No, I loved it. I got to talk about Ferngully and my childhood obsession with fairies. Like, what's not to love? So thank you for letting me come on and dither on about all of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's what we're here for. That's uh, right. That's right. The service we provide. Mm-hmm. Dithering? <laughs> that's right. Opportunities to talk about fairy obsession. That's right. Good. Mm-hmm. That's what the Always. listeners want. That's what everybody wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that in mind, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, and now we'll go ahead and move on to our next review of 2009's Avatar, and we're joined by the one, the only, Nicholas Delgadillo. Hello. I am I'm pretty well. I watched um, James Cameron's Avatar last night. So oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel inspired, feel uplifted, oh, I feel, str- feel strong. <laughs> wow that's uh um, i mean the the rest all the other movies i've talked about on here you know it's all it's all bullshit compared to james cameron's avatar let's just put that out there <laughs> <laughs> well all terrible it's, 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 it's time it's, to talk real cinema it's funny you mentioned that i was going to bring up um 
you know, for those who, who maybe don't know, Nick has been on the show. This is now his 10th appearance on the show. Um, I think that definitely Double makes you the most out of all of the, out of all the guests that I've brought on. Um, Quite I'll possibly. send you the invoice. <laughs> it goes probably you mad. Um, and then probably, I guess like sky just because he also came on like with Henry as the host as well. You know, we'll have to, we'll have to do some math and, yeah. and get back to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nick is a writer and a critic uh, and a very dear friend of mine. Uh, and so he, he's gracious enough to come on every once in a while. And he's come on 10 times since I've hosted the show. That's and right. uh, do you remember what your first one was? It was, uh, it was Sundance. Yeah, it was like it was Judas and the Black Messiah. I think was like the focus, um, and then I think I just talked about Sundance overall, yeah, oh, which was right. over a year over a year ago. Oof. <laughs> oh. Yeah, don't think about it too much. Yeah, my my kid is older than he's nineteen months now, so that's I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, um, it's passage time of time ain't cool. In, yeah. Well, and it really flies when you're in, in quarantine for part of that, you know? Well. So then um, your most recent episode, the last one that you showed up for, was our sort of like single word title episode. In, oh, that was a while ago, huh? Yeah, yeah. January, end of January. Uh, antlers and lamb. Antlers, lamb, pig, pig. and old. Mm-hmm. So All terrible really compared to Avatar. <laughs> Every last one, mm-hmm. he says. Every last one of them. Um, garbage. <laughs> so what have what have you been up to overall, other than watching James Cameron's Avatar? Well, the past um, until this week I was hor- horrendously sick. Got I probably obtained the new swamp variant of COVID from uh, our Charleston trip. Um, who knows? I don't know. It, it was never, and all, all the tests I took, it was never COVID. I don't know what the heck it was. It kicked my butt. I lost like 10 pounds. Um, took off work several days. Uh, it was not fun. I was like the sickest I've been in a very, very long time. It was just... It was very long. It took me a long time to recover, I guess. Wow, um, yeah. I didn't have any any sort of... I, I definitely had some sort of, like, allergies that ended up becoming a little bit of, like, yeah. a, like a cold kind of thing, seasonal cold kind of thing. But other than that... Yeah, um, like, the... This is the Friday, so it was, like, it was two days after um, our Charleston trip. Um, I started feeling kind of bad and i thought it was allergies because this is the time that they're kicking in like you said um but it was much worse than that you know it was like fever chills vomiting whole whole deal you know like (laughs) um so that was a ton of fun but i started i started playing halo infinite in that time i got halo infinite Uh, my sister got it for me like the month it came out but i haven't played it at all um but that's been fun to start to, I don't know. Is this the last Halo game? Probably not, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ever? 
Uh, no, but I, I, you know, I like the campaign of these games, but like both like four or five and now infinite is it feels like it's like rebooting every single time. Yeah. Like infinite infinite starts. I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. it feels like they, they just swap out like villains and everything and plot even like per game now, where it's like the first three felt like more of a linear story. And this one is like almost that except it's, you know, they, I don't know. <laughs> that that said, I think the game is pretty good. Um, multiplayer is okay. Nothing. There's nothing new there. Just, you know, um, but I like the campaign. It's like an open worlds game, which is different for halo. Um, but I dig it. Interesting. I, I pretty much dropped out after after three. I started playing four, never finished it. You don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. I I played a lot of four. It was still big into Halo. Multiplayer was fine for that game. After five, I was like, I've, uh, I'm, I'm bad enough. I, I played through all the campaign for five. And then that's kind of like didn't touch it again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the campaign yeah, was that. weird and had false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to take your word for it. Um, and so, you know, who probably would have done a better Halo movie than whatever show we, we currently have on um, it's a Halo TV show and nobody's yeah. watching it. <laughs> um, one Mr. James oh. Cameron, who we came here to um, talk about. James Cameron's <laughs> Halo. <laughs> uh, you know, but... you know, a, a lot of his, uh, a lot of the aesthetic of like the Marines and everything, or I guess they're not technically Marines anymore, but you know, mercenaries, whatever. Yeah, of, the of Avatar group. They're um, is very Halo-like. Yeah, I believe because you know it's like it's like centuries in the future, but it's still very kind of like analog. You know, they're still wearing military fatigues and using you know like bullets. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, um, the vehicles. Yeah, it, it does have like he he has that very solid aesthetic, which also I think ended up sort of becoming something that Weta adopted because I feel like some of the more militaristic. Uh, design elements of what's that movie with the with the the cities that move? Mortal Engines. Mortal yes. Engines. Yes. Um, wow. Wow. I haven't thought about that you. movie in a while. I feel like we should Mortal think about Engines, it every day. <laughs> I, I should. I should think about it more. Some of the more militaristic elements of that from the from the UK side of it that had more of that like you know modern military equipment I thought looked mm. a little bit avatarish and since yeah. Weta is one of the people that worked on this I feel like they kind of adopted that as part of like their house style over Hey we've already made we've already made the models and stuff for all this you know <laughs> we'll just keep it <laughs> Tweak We've it a already bit. got a back catalog of of two images. This is very expensive, very complex stuff. We got to recycle. <laughs> That's correct. It, it, you know how expensive this shit is. Does it yeah. still look good? Use it. It wasn't in that movie. 
Uh, you know they don't care. No one's going to notice. So uh, we, we came here, though, to talk about James Cameron's Avatar, which is, the, as we said, the highest grossing film of all time. He's made two of the highest grossing films of all time, of course, with uh, Titanic being the other one. Uh, he's kind of an interesting figure. Um, how before I, I guess I talk a little bit more about James Cameron. How do how do y'all feel about James Cameron? <clears throat> James Cameron is an insane person. <laughs> like, like pretty much everyone with too much money is um <laughs> he is insane he definitely knows how to make some movies and he even more than that he knows how to make a lot of money making movies um i don't know i don't think i'd want to meet james cameron but <laughs> um Bear? But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's what everyone says, like, just, you can't bet against him. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. Whenever he pops back up, you know, he, he delivers. Do you have a interesting guy. Cameron movie? <clears throat> what are all the James Cameron movies? Um, James Cameron has directed. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Terminator. Including the things right. that he has written for himself. Terminator. Well, if we do Terminator yeah. 2, then which that one? Uh, the Abyss, Terminator Good. 2, True Lies, Titanic, Abida. Um, I'm sorry? Abida? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Abida. is Abida. This is Abida. Um, Hell yeah. So those are all of okay, his. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with Judgment Day. T2 Judgment Day. Dear, do you have any thoughts on James Cameron or a favorite James Cameron movie? Um, James Cameron. uh, I guess I... My history uh, with James Cameron is, like, I've seen I've seen the Aliens movies. I've seen uh, the Terminator movies. Um, I grew up watching a lot uh, the, the Titanic and, um, True Lies. I love True Lies. I think True Lies is a perfect movie. Um, that was like your first big Jamie Lee Curtis movie. No, yeah. Um, that and like Sexy. Friday. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I loved it. She's fantastic in that film. Yeah. I, rem- I remember seeing like a clip, I guess, like the clip, right, of True Lies. <laughs> Somewhere on the internet. I don't think I've ever seen the full movie, but I've seen like the scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think she does a phenomenal job as always. Um, Jamie Lee never disappoints. Literally, I, lo- I love, I love people who are who are excited about acting. Yeah, that's fair. So, do you have a do you have a favorite? A favorite of, of, of James the, of the James yeah. Cameron's. Um, I think I'm going to go with, with True Lies. I think that um, it's just, it's it's different than the other ones. It's fun. It's kind know? of an outlier. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, I like Titanic, but it's sad. It makes me cry every time. Like, you can only watch it in certain moods. 
Um, and it's long. You can only watch it when you have a certain amount of time. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I I refuse to watch it in any other format other than the the two cassette tapes that VHS gave us back in the day. You had to for the break change for your That's intermission. Right. That's right. Perfect format. Some movies need an intermission. Titanic is one of them. Um. No, I I think that that's all fair. I I agree with Nick. I think James Cameron is probably a madman. I for sure he's insane. He's he's done some pretty remarkable things. I'll, I'm going to talk a little bit more about his life in just a second. He's a real anomaly. He's a really weird outlier of a dude, and he really hasn't. He's directed plenty. But when you really look at things that, you know, he's written, directed, he has a filmography that's, you know, smaller until he does, I guess, like all these fucking Avatar sequels, uh, then, then like, uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's just not, a, there, yeah, there, there's at the end of the day, comparatively to any other like big filmmaker. And if you say James Cameron is technically like one, the biggest, right. Just box office wise, it is weird how like, comparatively scarce his filmography is yeah and i i, th- I think he's kind of the, that anomaly also because he's such he's such a, a giant name but he's also not it's not that he's not a public figure you know but at yeah. the, he's not he's not that much of a public figure you know he's not always i don't know you, you don't get a bunch of james cameron updates from either himself or <laughs> or others you know no he He's a nose-to-the-grindstone kind of guy. That's the energy that I get from James Cameron when I watch. I watched all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff on Avatar. Uh, And so my general opinion of James Cameron is that he's also a very you-work-and-you-get-it-done kind of person. He's not a real limelight kind of guy. So... I mean, honestly, yeah, I didn't... I Until recently, I don't think I'd ever seen, like, a photo of him before um other directors oh yeah you know you know exactly what spielberg's looks like you know yeah boom spielberg tarantino spike lee you know you know wes anderson that's wes anderson you know (laughs) that is wes anderson (laughs) is is it how you you describe wes anderson in person you wouldn't even need to know and then you would just know you You would would just see him I don't even think you need. I don't even think you need to see any of his movies. No. No. (laughs) Just see him and be like, "Oh, um, oh, hey, it's that guy. It's it's uh, it's Wes Anderson." Yeah, that's him. There he is. There he Uh, is. So James Cameron, for a little bit of background, was born August sixteenth, nineteen fifty-four, in Capascasing, Ontario, Canada. His father was an engineer, his mother was an artist and a nurse, and he was the eldest of five. Wow. Um, He spent his life in, or he spent like his youth in Canada pretty much, and he was a big outdoors kid. He loved nature um, and that kind of thing. He ended up leaving, his family relocated to California when he was 17. So right before end of high school... Yeah, that's a crazy time to yeah move. That's literally uh, like an '80s movie. Yeah, new kid in town from Canada. 
That's right. Living in L.A. What? And so he attends college, but he ends up not finishing college, but he, he pursues engineering there. He also ends up pursuing, I think, physics or something else to that effect while he's at college. And he drops out. And he works odd jobs. He's a trucker for a while. Uh, he just sort of bounces around and, and, and does all these different jobs. But he writes in his free time and, and has all these sorts of ideas. And he sees Star Wars and he decides that he needs to stop fiddle-fucking around and go and, and make movies. My man, it's, it's always Star Wars, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it for real. It, it, is, it is Star Wars or Jurassic Park or a combination of the two, like, for, like, everybody. I swear. No, that's fair. <laughs> it, it really is. It's, it's a cornerstone. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know... There's no way that's, to that's like, right pull there. out the influence <laughs> of Star Wars from pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to do it. Um, so then once he started trying to get a script made, he, he made a short film. He worked several odd jobs in production. He did some visual effects for a little while himself. And... Then eventually, of course, he finally went and made uh, Piranha 2, which was a huge flop, and he decided that he wasn't going to make a movie that he didn't write again, and so then he went and made The Terminator. Mm. And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, he's a, an environmentalist. He loves oceanography, and conserv- uh, he's, a, he's a conservationist. Uh, he's been married five times. Wow. Including to uh, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor herself. Oh, well, would you look at that? I mean, would you just look at it? Uh, he also helped develop, over time, over the course of his career, he has helped to develop nautical exploration equipment, underwater filming equipment, uh, and a 3D camera, as we'll talk about later. He owns a farm and is very interested in the agribusiness and how to improve it and expand it. And he has opened up a entirely vegan school. And he does this all in the 24 hours of the same days as we do? This is, I, he might not have the farm anymore. He might have given that up. No, he has the farm in New Zealand. He has, he's living there now while he's been making the Avatar movies. Copy, copy. That's uh, insanity. He relocated to New Zealand while making all of the Avatar sequels in bulk. Copy. Man, I'd probably, okay. I'd probably be pretty productive too if I had all that money. No, yeah. like literally. And the last... Or maybe that... not. Maybe I wouldn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just have people do it for you. The last Maybe, little tidbit that I have is um, apparently when, this is a true story, Guillermo del Toro's father, if you didn't know this, was kidnapped back in the 90s. What? No. And uh, his father was kidnapped, he had to pay a ransom, and apparently James Cameron gave uh, a sizable amount of money 
uh, toward the ransom of Guillermo del Toro's father Jesus back Christ. in the 90s. So oh. that's a little bit about James Cameron for you. Oh my god, he helped out Guillermo. <laughs> um, for a little bit of backstory on Avatar, uh, it is something that he says that he's been working on his whole life he says that it goes all the way back to when he was a kid and he made this drawing when he was like 11 or something. Um, the first two years of production um, were largely focused on a set. Well, the first year of production, I should say, it was entirely two teams that were working on the movie, an art team and an R&D team. And the R&D team worked exclusively on all of the performance equipment uh, for performance capture. What does R&D stand for? Research and development. Oh, okay. And so he had one team doing nothing but art to make Pandora real and figure out how all of the animals work. And he had another team that was going and developing all of the technology that then they were then going to use to make a movie. And also during this time, he had a guy by yeah, the name... It's, it's it's basically what he does is say like here's the movie i'm gonna make here's what it requires the technology is not there yet so i'm gonna have people make it like we're going to we're going to make like the the needed technology for these effects or what have you know like and we're just gonna do it live it almost <laughs> be cutting edge yep <sighs> and uh, he had a guy by the name of Paul Frommer go and develop the entire language of Navi. And so that's it, it. Overall, the entire production cycle uh, after that first year, they then spent another year pretty much just doing the performance capture uh, acting. Copy. Uh, it wasn't until about a year and a half into or it wasn't about two and a half years in until they started doing actual physical production with sets and everything like that. Hmm. It was about a four and a half year process to make the movie. Wow. Um, so Avatar was released December 18th, 2009. Uh, it had a theatrical runtime of two hours, 46 minutes. We watched the collector's edition runtime. Yeah. Which was two hours, 58 minutes. Whew, yes, it was. Yep. It had an estimated budget of $237 million. <laughs> uh, but it no earned at the box office uh, $2.7 upon release. So that's also how he got all of those sequels immediately. It is that, I mean, that's like... That's, and we talked about this before, that's the really crazy thing about avatar's box office is not just that it's that it's the highest but it like the margin compared between it and second play before endgame came out yeah um it was just huge (laughs) like you know not even close the second one was titanic right um (laughs) i think the second one for a little while had been um Force Awakens, but it was oh, still. Oh, Force Awakens, yeah. It was still. It, it was. It was such a. It's such a jump. It like it's not just. 
yeah, like I said, like that's the craziest part to me. It is so much more, yeah, than than the others below it. <laughs> like um, they're not even close. I, I I don't know what it would take to have a movie do that kind of numbers again. Avatar two, I guess. <laughs> Besides Avatar two, and even even then, I don't know. I we'll think see, Avatar I Two. Will, I think Avatar Two will make a shit ton of money. Obviously, like a lot, a lot. I but I have no idea if it can do that magic trick again of almost three billion fucking dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about that, I guess, after we talk about uh, the first one a little bit more. Um, it is written and directed by James Cameron. It stars Laz Alonzo, Stephen Lang, Joel David Moore. Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder, also known as CCH Pounder. Of course. Pounder. Dilip Rao. Giovanni Rabisi, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Zoe Saldana, Wes Studi, and Sam Worthington. And the plot, I really am not sure if I need to say the plot, but just in case... Uh, the plot is a paraplegic marine dispatched to the moon pandora on a unique mission becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home um and so nick since you are our guest here why don't you go ahead and kick us off so uh first off not only what did you think of avatar but did you see avatar back in 2009 yeah. What are some of your opinions on it from then <laughs> to now? Yeah, I remember I remember seeing Avatar when it first came out. I didn't see it opening night or anything like that. It wasn't anything I was like incredibly hyped for, but then you know, once that movie came out and looked I go see it, you know, you gotta <laughs> like everybody was going to go see it. So I think I saw it a couple weeks after it had been out. Um and I remember liking it thinking it was, you know, it was very good. Um, I think I saw it twice in theaters. Um, and then after that, I don't think I revisited it much. I had a friend who liked it a lot more than I did. I think he was just more appreciative of, like, the filmmaking <laughs> than I yeah. was at that point. Um, so for years, I think it was kind of just like, you know, like, it's okay. There's, like, the obvious issues that everybody has with it. Um, and then it, you know, kind of became like the, uh, a joke. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Almost for a good while. Um, then we hit a point where we're like, oh, and now it looks, you know, this movie looks like crap now. Stuff we have now, you know, it didn't age well, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this was my first time watching it again in a long time. And this is also my first time watching extended collector's edition. Uh, which I thought improved the movie like a ton. I, I really like. I, I'd re- I'd I this is this is the version that I'd recommend watching um, <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> for real, uh, if, um, that's, that's funny because James Cameron I, is a little bit of kind yeah. He doesn't of like, like it, right? Yeah, he's a little bit of the opinion of like, eh, it's there. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It, it, I think it adds so much characterization to everyone, really, um, which is like a weaker point of, I guess, like the theatrical 
cut. Um, at least to me, like, you know, I never cared much about any of the characters and like that. Um, when I watched it initially, uh, this time I was really into it. I, I, I like, uh, Jake as a character. He's like, he, you at least get to know him better through the opening scenes on earth to start out with. Um, I don't know. I, I think the extended version just gives so much better context. Yeah. And it makes everything feel fuller and it feels more like the, to me at least, it feels more like giant, you know, epic story and, and movie that, it, that it's meant to be. Um, and I also think that the, I don't know why I thought that it looked bad a few years ago or whatever. Um, or maybe this version that I watched just looked really good. I thought it looked great. Um, and nowadays I'm obviously much more appreciated, much more like in awe of just the technical everything of this movie. Like literally like every single frame is like, you can stop it and be like, there's so much, it's so dense. <laughs> you know, like there's so much happening. Um, it's a, like an amazing achievement period. And the fact that it is a good, like a co- you know, coherent movie story at the same time is a plus even though again obviously it gets into like you know it's not a story that we're not already familiar with um uh but it it has some original parts that i really like i really like sigourney weaver's character a lot more this time around i think the extended edition gives more context to her as well and uh Mm -hmm. the the time on Pandora before Jake gets there, like how they've been there for years on Pandora already, right? You know, we get more context with like the school that they built, how, you know, relations kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um, yes, I still think the third act goes just into too, maybe too overindulgent, like more interesting aspects in favor of actions that it becomes for like the last half hour. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I liked it a lot more this time around. Um. It obviously has its its issues and uh. It's like and it's problematic areas as well. Um. I'm not the best authority. I think to kind of uh, we can get into it later if you want, maybe. But uh. Yeah. Like the the more problematic issues with it being written by James Cameron, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, what what did you guys what do you guys think of Avatar upon watching the nearly three hour version? Dear, what did you think? Same question. What was sort of your background coming into it with Avatar? What did you think upon rewatching it all this time later? Um, okay, so I I've actually I've seen Avatar a lot. Um, oh. it was one of those ones where like it was it was Thompson approved, so um, we watched that. Your brother the... loves this movie. Oh yeah, my brother watches this movie almost every oh, okay. day. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he's like, I'm home and I need to throw on something, he just throws on Avatar. There was that, one that's time... like his go-to. Yeah, is is this movie? So he's yeah. pumped up all the sequels. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll be right there <laughs> in the theater. Let's go. Um, there was one time that we were visiting and he was like, all right, I'm off to bed. I'm going to put on Avatar and head to sleep. And like, that was just like how he, how he planned to spend yeah, yeah. the rest of his night. Oh, that's fun. He's like, he's one of the diehard fans then. 
Yeah, he's with it, man. He's a true believer. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> so, like, is I he depressed? A... Is he also depressed because it's not real? He has the Pandora I mean, syndrome or whatever. <laughs> maybe that's what he wants. You know, he's like, gosh, if only we'll get I there. could be a blue, blue oh. cat person too. By Avatar three, that's that's what it'll be. That'll that'll be the experience in the theater mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. that point. It'll just be like those IMAX theaters, um, at, like the Discovery fully. Place Museum. <laughs> like they like move around, and you're like, oh, you know, fully immersed in it. Yeah, and if you look down, you you're a Navi also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Can... It's 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 better than Disney. <laughs> it's all I'm hearing. Um, but no, like I really, I really enjoy the movie, and I remember really enjoying the movie a lot. But I just haven't seen it in an eternity. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw this movie. It's probably been over ten years, um, like fully. Yeah. From from beginning to end. Sure. Watched yeah. Like, this yeah. Movie. Um, and like I really, I really liked it. I've never seen this extended cut before, and gosh, golly, gee Willikers, could I not tell? what had changed in this movie it's been so damn long since i watched it i was like wow i thought that i would really be a, a lot more cold on this movie like kind of how i feel about um like independence day like i know independence day you can pop in any part of independence day i know exactly what's happening um Fuck yeah because like, it's independence day exactly exactly <laughs> it's classic. perfect movie um but no, like I, I really, I really enjoyed this a lot. It was, it was a fun rewatch. Um, I remembered why I enjoyed watching it all those years ago. I think that it still holds up. I mean, there are some parts that obviously look a little bit wibbly with the, um, the CG, like bleed over. I but think... like for the most part, it's like an entirely CG affair when it's like when they're like on the planet. And I think that's the stuff that like always takes your breath away. <laughs> Did did you guys have like weird? You you have a nicer TV than me, but like for me, sometimes like the frame rate, like it could not handle it. <laughs> <laughs> if something was like you know, like it's weird. He does like the kind of like slow motion, almost slow motion sometimes, or like I said, maybe that's just the frame rate fucking up on my end. You know, when one of like the horse things jumps over a tree yeah. like jumps over a log or something it's it'd be like uh, I, I can't process it <laughs> no I poor honestly, screen um I'm, also i also he why does he steal so many jurassic park sound effects that okay. is a very the, good question the 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 horse things are just the velociraptors from jurassic park straight up <laughs> um there's another one too that was like another Jurassic Park dinosaur. It's probably like the T Rex or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's what's odd about it is that I think that they use like a T Rex or some sort of other large predator roar or something like that with one of the big like hammerhead dinosaurs yeah. or something like that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I like the something... yeah the rhino hammerhead thing yes yeah i think that it's some sort of odd like mismatch of of where you expect the other sound effect to go but there are like two or three that they that are definitely if you know (laughs) your jurassic park sound effects they're there (laughs) well i suppose did ilm i mean ilm i imagine did a lot of the work on the jurassic park films 
probably. And so yes, the ILM not was probably. Involved. Yes, yes, they did. Yeah, <laughs> IL, ILM was also involved with this, so I wouldn't be surprised if if that's just they a part of their asset library. Yeah. It's like we said. Yeah, it's it's exactly re- recycle again. Just a little w- bit here. Why? What kind of noise should this animal alien make? Ugh, what does it look like? I I don't know, man. Let's. <laughs> um, oh, boo. Oh. Perfect. All right, that's it. <laughs> Does that look right? What if I what if I touch this knob like this? Huh? Is that better? Yeah. Oh, it's perfect now. Okay. We're done here. <laughs> it sounds just different enough. Yep. It, yep. It's it's like still like an analog thing from the '90s for the Jurassic Park sound effect thing that they're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They had to get the dust off of it, like in Indiana Jones, where it's just like a thick layer. What's funny is uh, one thing that I don't think this movie has is a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> That's all it's missing. What the, what, the, what the hell is a Wilhelm scream? That's the classic like, oh, scream that you hear people oh! do in movies. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a very, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, a very distinct yell. Really, if you just watch the Star Wars movies, like there's one in like every Star Wars movie. Pretty and then you can... <laughs> And then, uh, and then once you recognize it there, then you start hearing it in other movies. And There's one in every Star Wars movie. There's pretty much one in... I think there's one in almost all of the Indiana Jones movies. That sounds great. There's, there's one thing. in Captain America, the first Avenger, because that's made by Joe Johnston, who grew up under Lucas and Spielberg. So It's in, the, it's in their contracts. Yeah, but, you know, I, I Avatar is one that I saw, I think, twice, maybe three times in theaters. I think I did see it opening night, because we just went to movies opening right. night. You know, that was just how we did it. And I think that we went to it opening night. I don't remember being particularly amped about it in any particular way like i remember being excited but but not really like oh god you know this is gonna oh no i wanted to see this movie a oh lot. you did you did you were really pumped about this one i know yeah for sure it looked cool i was i was really interested in the in the character work and like the the interesting aesthetic of it the the visuals i like i was bought by the the visuals in the in the trailer that we saw many moons ago yeah I don't think I cared that much. If I, I'm, I'm sure I knew of its existence. Maybe I just didn't see enough marketing from it, or I just was like, well, whatever about but it. It also had um, Zoe Zaldana in it, and like, anytime you get you get like practical like copy paste representation in anything, it's it's it really helps with the whole like this could be me kind of thing. Yeah, feeling. someone to latch on to. <laughs> Exactly, you know, uh, it's the, like this is the racial, fair. the racially ambiguous. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This this tribe of they're definitely not Africans. Um, and it's it's actually it's it's funny that you mentioned that the 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 tribes are definitely very much it's it, they very much openly talk about when you watch some of the special features that like. They beg, borrow, and steal just about every concept from just about any culture that you could think of in the world in some way. 
you know, in some capacity for this movie. So, you know, some sort of particular, um, you know, way of doing beadwork, you know, from some sort of tribal culture or some sort of drum mm-hmm. or certain musical sound. They really went and, and patched a lot of that all together. And the core identity of it was definitely, uh, at least for the language, was apparently from James Cameron's passing familiarity with um, Pacific Island dialects. Why? Why does he have that in his knowledge base? <laughs> because cause he does a lot of uh, stuff out at sea. Yeah, he does all the oceanography stuff out in the Pacific. Absolutely mm. crazy person, I swear. And he travels the world a lot. It's, he's going to be the next like Discovery Channel show. It's going to be with James Cameron discovers Iceland or something, and it's going to be his cooking show for some reason. Ha! Yeah. Um, I'd, but... I'd, I'd probably watch James Cameron cook, sure. <laughs> uh, I hadn't watched it in a while. I think the last time that I watched it might have been in college. And yeah, did we did we watch it together? I think we did at some point. I feel like we did. And <sighs> for some reason, it didn't hit the spot back then. I don't know what it was, but I, I and it's not that I disliked it after the last time that I watched it, but it it did leave me for whatever reason a little bit colder. Sure. Then than than it did now. Upon rewatching it now, I felt much. <laughs> much warmer to the movie overall it's it's also like a much bleaker uh like hollywood like environment yeah that's fair much bleaker film landscape as far as like big uh, major studio productions go no so rewatching avatar now is like man remember when they made movies like this Look at how... Well, and and also going back and watching the post-production, you also just really got the sense of, like, how dramatically different the post-production process on these movies now is from back when James Cameron could go and make a fucking James... And honestly, at this point, he's one of the few people that can still do it like this. I mean, no one else would have waited up this long on the Avatar sequels. No one... No one else could have gotten this much lead time. Yeah, like the, it, it wouldn't be allowed, you know. No, that, like anybody else, that they'd be like, "If you're gonna take that long, we're just gonna find someone else to do it." You yeah, know? like <laughs> I really don't think that they would even give it to to Chris Nolan at this point. Like James Cameron is the only person on the planet, but it's because Titanic was the first movie to really blow up in such a such a prodigious way like that. And, yeah. and everyone after Titanic was like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, he wanted to do Avatar right after Titanic. Um, but it just ended up not working and not coming together at that time. Um, wonder who he would have cast. That's a good question. Um, but I, I, I really think that it does have the problematic issue of like the sort of, you know, white savior narratives stuff surrounding jake sully you know mm-hmm. which has been talked about by much smarter people than than i <laughs> uh to to greater detail i'm sure also um but i think setting that aside i think that it is a very well done movie like it is an epic movie yeah. in every sense There's... of the word 
there are some moments that are like like the the word is not cheap i guess i don't know it it looks looks like a sci-fi stuff like some some scenes that are set you know like on the on the base yeah that are like purely they're like purely live action for the most part um i think that's a mixture of two things (laughs) one is maybe it's 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 only like a couple like shots you know but you're just like you know because everything else is so like hyper you know like hd whatever you want to call it you know like digital you know bliss (laughs) and per (laughs) imperfection and then you go and you see like a scene where you know like he is waking up out of the the pod or um by uh what's his name papa dragon yes yeah, uh, <laughs> um and i'm like that looks like a set you know like that looks like a prop and like that looks like you know this looks very fake comparatively like funny enough even though that's like the practical stuff you know that's funny because you know it's kind of like the reverse in this movie where like all the digital stuff you're like that looks amazing and then you get to like some of like the pure like practical stuff and you're like and that like doesn't look as good whereas most time it's like the opposite it's like we want more practical so it looks better looks more real i think some of it is a little bit of a mix of like uh the camera that they were using because they were using this very particular camera that they developed for the production and they shot right. the entire thing in 3D. And so I think maybe some of it comes from that. Mm-hmm. I think also some of it comes from the fact that a lot of those sets were only partial constructions with a lot of digital finishing. Right. And so I'm wondering if that also didn't really help it either. Um, was I, like the, I like the... I like the... And do little digital touch-ups here and there. I like the amount of characters that yell, you know, like, yeah, get some. like there there's so many there's like several minor characters in avatar that are just like have (laughs) bloodlust like and and are stupid like have have like the dumb kind of yeah like it's exactly get some (laughs) he's really leaning into like a very specific type of of a person yeah he's not being very subtle no, not at all. It's it's very that like post nine eleven like army dude feeling. Like we're gonna go and kick some ass, you know. Yeah. Hyper aggression. Jarhead kind of stuff. Yeah. We're gonna go massacre. <laughs> we're gonna go massacre and destroy nature. And it's gonna be fine I'm, because I'm, I and I'm, a, I'm in the I feel army. badass doing it. I feel badass exactly. doing it. It's not gay. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but no, I I think that it's I think that it's a pretty I think it's a pretty awesome movie for the most part overall. Like I really and I still don't think that it's perfect. It still isn't. I think one of like my all time favorites. But I think that this watch through recently definitely made me more interested in watching it again. I think that it does really land its emotional journey. Um, I think Zoe Saldana steals the movie away from Sam Worthington. Oh, the entire time. This Pretty is her fucking movie. <sighs> yeah. Absolutely. She's, she's so good in this. Yeah. She's, she's, she's very good in this. I um, I really like, I can't remember his name, um, but the actor who plays uh, Sute. Uh, um, uh, Laz Alonzo. Is, yeah, which is like kind of like a, 
like, once again, like an archetypal character in this kind of story that we've yeah. seen before. Um, but you know, it really is when when like, like Zoe Saldana, he's really able to emote through all of the digital like effects and, and everything. Um, with you know, comparative without without having as many lines. Um, yeah. a, a, a lot of what he has to do is just kind of show like the hurt, the hurt pride, the hurt like romantic side of it, um, kind of deal. That's a sad character. Shouldn't have killed him. Um, yeah, lame. Um, it adds to like like I said, like a, unfortunately like an archetypal character. You know, like, and of course, you know, of course he's dead. Of course, get rid of that guy. Also that, yeah, you know. And he can't he can't be around the white man's here. Um, um Yes, no, um, I, I've I have i have taken away from what I wanted to say, which is um I, I watching it this time around, I was really drawn to his performance. Yeah. Zoe Saldana, I've just like even when I was like, well, this movie, what a joke, Zoe Saldana's performance in this movie is still forever like <laughs> it's, That's it's good absolutely stuff. incredible. Uh, <laughs> one of the more overlooked, especially back then, um, elements of the film, I think, was her performance. She definitely deserved, I think, awards uh, attention yeah, yeah. for this performance. She was. Oh yeah, for sure. I, this movie won an Oscar. She should have won one too. Uh, I, I like uh, Sam Worthington more in this than I have initially, and like I said, I think that's just because uh, you get to know his character more in the extended version. Mm. Um, really like yeah, it's when like a dialogue scene is longer or like has or like you know like kind of has a length to it is when you're like oh that's a deleted scene or that's an added in you know it's an added in scene yeah um, oh interesting interesting um, yeah. he, that's why he's I still know. he's still not I feel like it could have like no disrespect to Sam Worthington I guess I guess is disrespectful like I don't know, <laughs> yeah. You, you, they could have been a more. Um, he didn't own the part the same way that she did. Uh, I, I guess. Um, I, I don't know what you do, honestly. Like the character makes sense to me on paper. Um, I don't know. Fucking John Smith, motherfucker. <laughs> And maybe that's it. Maybe just it's a character that you just ultimately don't connect with, no matter like. And it, he doesn't even get to sing. No. Uh, so, Nick, if you had to give Avatar a score out of five, what would you what would you give Avatar? Man, I gave it four this time around. Really. Okay. I was really about it, man. I, I dug it. Like I said, um, it's got its problems. One star away from that. Normally, those would be more severe. I think its strengths make up for a lot of its weaknesses in this watch, apparently. Um, no, Stephen Lang. S- Stephen Lang is fucking, wow, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. That's uh, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I'd say diplomacy has failed. <laughs> Dear, what would you give Avatar out of five? Um, hmm. I think I'm gonna go with a with a four and a half. 
Um, I think I'm, I really enjoyed this movie and I guess it's also like a very nostalgically driven vote as well for me. Like this, this movie just takes me way back, you know, I don't even know when this movie came out. 2009. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We were like right in that like youth pocket, you know, that high school. That would have been junior year. Yeah, look at that, look at that. Prime of our lives. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I really enjoy this movie. I think that there's some phenomenal performances in this. Um, I think that everybody is doing a, a great job and like I can, I can take that and kind of glide me through the parts that don't look so great anymore. You know, like we watched it on our 4K TV. Like it, it looked, it looked bad. I'm not even going to joke. Um, <laughs> there are parts where like they, the layers, they just weren't there anymore. You know, that they weren't glued together anymore. It was, you could see them. Um, they weren't connecting. Not a, not a bit. But, like I still, <laughs> I still absolutely love this movie. Um, I think that, um, I think that Sam Worthington is, is pretty just like there. No, that's fair. <laughs> you know, like he's he's the dude, and like he's doing a good job. But he like he's just some dude. It could have been I, anybody. We all paid money to see Zoe, and that's my vote. It, it, here's uh, defensive Sam Worthington. Also, he's he is able to like own the needed like physicality of like again like the digital like the motion capture performance. No, and he is, no, he I... is he is able to to. To, to to emote and everything. Um, I completely agree. And yeah, it's like I don't know if it's the material or or what, or if or if he's just not connected in the way that you know this thing is was shot was filmed. You know that's hard for an actor. That's hard. It's, yeah. Um, no. No. Who, who knows? Um, but I mean, yeah. Um, obviously, he's he is the weak link here, though. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like in the in the hierarchy of like who's in this movie, I I. I straight up went, I don't know who this person is, like, when I first watched this movie, and I have yet to, to know anything about, like, who he is as a person, I guess, like, after this movie as well. Like, this is the movie that I have for him. This is it. He's a very rich person after this movie. Yeah, yeah and I guess can, then he never had to work was, <laughs> what we can determine. But yeah, we'll, we'll watch no. some other Sam Worthington sometime. Okay, cool, because he's definitely like an actor that my my brain just has no recollection of. Um, that's a sad sentence. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four and a half. I think this movie kicks ass um, and has a has some, some just really good standard old storytelling, even though it's the the same exact um, plot as Fern Gully and Pocahontas and others no for sure um i'm gonna go with a four as well um you know there are just those things about it that i i don't think quite get it there but i do think that its strengths definitely overcome pretty much all of its weaknesses and i think that it's a great ride overall and i really enjoyed going back and and re-watching it again and and I definitely want to want to watch this one more often than I currently have, which is like you know once every six years or some shit. Um, that sounds right. They're re-releasing it in September. Yeah. 
I saw. We'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um, and as far as Fern Gully moment, I think it is interesting also that it does get so compared to Fern Gully because one of the things there are two things that are interesting. One is that when they showed some test footage to people, apparently some of the producers of the film were worried that they were showing too much of the quote Fern Gully stuff. Um, but on top of that, I think it's also interesting that people compare it to Fern Gully a lot because the the creator of Fern Gully specifically said that he wanted to highlight the reality of nature mm-hmm. and how wonderful and magic real nature is and how this is so exaggerated, even though James Cameron has given it all of these like actual biological reasons and needs and what have you you know, it is an entirely fictitious, ultra-magical thing. And so I think it's kind of interesting that that the movie that everyone is like, you're copying Fern Gully, this is just the Fern Gully moment, is also this movie that's, like, you know, hyper-grounded in its... No, I get that. I mean, they are, like, hunting for unobtainium. But it's the mass... Yeah, and it's... it's... Like, it's, it's funny. No, and it's the similar <laughs> plot of, you know... Um the 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 cutting down of the trees and deforestation and those sorts of themes you know throughout both of them well they're just goddamn trees that's right (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that's i guess that's also why i said like pocahontas as well it's like a it's like a you know somebody coming in to an area Mm -hmm. that is is pure and and fucking it up yeah um, so to wrap it up, um, I might actually have us just skip doing what we're watching and jump into some media news. Um, there were a few things that I just sort of wanted to throw out and not chat about too much because there's been one thing that I've been sitting on to tell Lauren about because I can't wait to see what her face is going to be like when I tell her. Um, so just for some, some quick little bits of news. Uh, one, Justin Lin departed Fast and Furious 10, uh, the director of the of some of the best in the franchise. Um, five, I think, seven. Um, and they had already started production and he left. It sounded like um, that he died. He had departed. Ah. Um, no, he just left it. Um, okay, okay, cool. Glad you're still he with us. I- there are a lot of people who uh who think that he he got dead sick and tired of vin diesel (laughs) that's a Uh, presence (laughs) there are some people who speculate that vin diesel might go on to direct the film oh sweet god um i really hope so um (laughs) that's the best outcome if 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 vin diesel directs fast and fear and we we return to the good timeline you understand? That's right. We have to break through. <laughs> We've been in the bad ones. <laughs> but, but if we go to the theater to watch Vin Diesel's... <laughs> Fast and Furious movie, dear God. If we use an act of lunacy so strong, we'll break through back to the good timeline. <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come back. Um, <laughs> all of this news is all, by the way, coming around um, CinemaCon, which is a big insider event that's currently happening right now where everyone is doing all of their, you know, sort of dog and pony show sort of debuts of things. Um, dog and pony show, <laughs> my goodness. And so uh, they also announced 
during CinemaCon that the Batman is officially getting a sequel. Um, so soon, you say? Yeah. Man, we had to, we used to have to wait for shit. Well, what a it, surprise. Some people, <laughs> some people were commenting on the fact that it didn't have one like immediately announced yet. Honestly, I just think that they were waiting for something like this. Um, with I, I wonder. I wonder if the comic book movie that made a lot of money, if they'll do another one of them. Who knows? Probably um, not. We do have a little bit of Avatar news. Um, the The big news um, is that it has a a title, but it also has a release date. Um, so the new title, it's no longer Avatar 2. It is now Avatar The Way of Water. Oh, wow. Are we going to like a different clan or are we just hanging out with Jake Sully? Um, it is supposed to have pretty it, much it the is, entire cast returning. It, it, it's set like over a decade later, so like kind of like real time-ish. So it's, it's, they're older and they have kids. Um, Interesting. And it's coming so out it's... December 16th. Copy. So the trailer's supposed to come out this year. Um, we've now got ourselves a little a little title for it. Um, the other big announcement that just came out this week, and this is the one that I've been waiting on so long to tell you. Okay, I'm ready. Via a press announcement that was set out on social media by the director, John M. Chu, um, they've announced that they're making a change to the movie Wicked. Oh, sweet God. Okay. They've decided that one movie isn't enough to tell the whole story of Wicked and that they're going to split it into two movies. And we're going to be getting part one and part two of Wicked. No! my god think mm-hmm. about your life pippin <laughs> jesus christ we don't need to we don't yeah. we it's don't a, need to for reference it's a two hour 45 minute show approximately oh god oh god they're just giving ariana time to riff <laughs> uh, wicked um... part one wicked part two mm-hmm. one year apart this really It'll is be, uh, uh, how wicked when nobody sees the second part when they go, oh god, not this again. This, I know how it this, is. Yada yada. The, this really is another one that's like this took like so long, yeah, to happen, and the casting is weird. <laughs> yeah. No, it took um, a long time. You know, I know that I, there is a very dedicated Wicked fan base, but like. This is not what this is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up when I heard <laughs> Wicked movie, and I was like, okay, maybe. And then they threw this one at me, and I was like, nah, nah, I'm fine. Well, I I thought they're supposed to be like teenagers. They're supposed to be like college or like students. like a- 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 eighteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to be. It's like they're eighteen they until go, they're I guess they're, like probably in the, like their forties. I would say, but they always go for like. They have one person who looks like in their 30s to 40s, and then they've got another who looks like she's like 19, and it's just, it's going to be weird. Yeah, like, 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 like permanently. Yeah, so like, it's going to be weird 
at the start for Alphaba, and then it's going to be weird closer to the end. <laughs> for um, I wonder if they're they're going to do some weird de aging crap to, to them and like some age play with some some digital stuff to make them look the appropriate age, or they could have just done better casting. But that's beside the point. They wanted to do it the hard I, way. What, what what they should do is um, have you guys seen I Tanya? Yeah. I have not, but... Well, in, in I, Tanya, they have Sebastian Stan and uh, Margot Robbie just, like, play, like, their teenage selves and do, like, a horribly unconvincing job. And, like, it just looks like they dress them up as, like, a teenager as best they could. They don't do, like, any sort of and anything just sort of except, like... With that. That's perfect. Yeah, and Absolutely it's, wonderful. Um, it's, it's pretty funny, so... That's what they should do. I think that that's right. Opinion. I think that that's all correct. Um, but no, I've been waiting so oh, long to tell you oh, that. Jesus Christ. I knew it had something to do with Wicked because of your, your fucking post on Twitter that was all of the Wicked sequels. Um, the theoretical Wicked sequels. Well, it's just and... going to, the, the first one will end on Defying Gravity like Act One, and then there you go. About yeah. it Exactly. Body. Because there's Unless also a nice story break as weird. well because they go from being college students to being like adults. It's true, that's, that's, I mean, that's the time jump. Exactly, but Jesus Christ, guys. We didn't we didn't need it like this. Um, but no, that's all that I pretty much have for the show, honestly. Um, Nick, uh, do you have anything that you want to share or let the listeners know at all? Um, I didn't like Ambulance much at all. I thought the North Man, I thought the North Man was mid. Um, dual Supremacy. <laughs> dual was a good movie. Okay, we'll have to go and give that one a look. Um, <laughs> We haven't, we, we rewatched some stuff. I guess we will do a little bit of a what we're watching, just a micro one. The only thing that we've watched recently movie-wise was Nobody. We watched Nobody, um, and we watched The Batman. Yeah, we rewatched The Batman for Date Night. Um, but okay. other than that... Um, Both of which are great films. Yeah. Had you seen Nobody? Had you already seen Nobody? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we own it. We watched it, um... Oh, you just rewatched it. Yeah, that's actually uh, one of the episodes that you appeared on. Uh, That's the third episode that you appeared on was Mortal Kombat Nobody. Wow, what a combo. Um, And so that's pretty much all that we've been watching. Um, Thank you for um, coming on. Uh, As always, you know, you can follow Nick on social media not fest discussing film uh his personal website i'll have links to that all down below um dear is there anything else that you would like to to tell the listeners before we go um this is our our last episode of the of april yeah of of april Um, um so next month we're going to be doing uh asian american cinema for asian american pacific islander month 
And so if you haven't already, sign up for our newsletter because we're going to be posting more about that when we send out our newsletter sometime uh, early next week, probably Monday or Tuesday. Um, so yeah, thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. I just thought about it. Yeah, and if you haven't, also go and check out all of our April holiday episodes in general. Um, definitely be sure to also follow Madeline on her socials and everything. I'll have that all posted below. You can follow us, of course, also at the Film Buds podcast on Instagram and at Film Buds on Twitter. Um, you can also go and follow us on um, Patreon and, and donate to the show. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Film Buds podcast at gmail.com. Um, also check out uh, some of our written reviews on the website that are only available on the website. Um, and that's about all that we have for y'all. Um, thanks, you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.